welcome to The Shakedown. Uh, once again, I am Rainforest, and um, we are still part of this week of massive uploads for uh, podcasts. And this week, I am I am going to, to share with you a story, some stories um, that Malone can't really help me with. And um, I wanted to talk about some stories about from my life from the trustee camp, um, which unfortunately Malone was not eligible for. And um, and that was where I spent my last year, year and a half-ish, um, before I had to go to my parole program, which parole programs might be another good topic coming up. Um, so anyway, let's talk about trustee camps. What are trustee camps? We talked about them a little bit in a previous episode, but we'll go more into detail about those. Um, so basically, um, in Texas prisons, there's no such thing as a minimum security unit. There are just, there's medium security and there's maximum security. And then, um, on some of the, on those units, there are what are called trustee camps. Trustee camps are usually on the prison grounds somewhere, but they're outside of the fence around the prison. And generally, they are those trustee camps are not themselves fenced. So that mean, and the reason they're not fenced is because trustees generally do jobs around the prison. So they want to give trustees a little freer movement so they can go do their jobs. Now, these job, this is a range of jobs that can go from um like assembling furniture at the truck at the furniture factory from cleaning up around and outside the prison uh to working in the fields to um to driving trucks and delivering um delivering furniture and canned goods all over the state so uh it's it can be there's and really that's just the list, I, you know, just a short list. If I want to go into more details, there's a ton more uh, trustee jobs. And um, and all of these are not paid. You None of these inmates will make any money for doing any of these jobs. Um, so um, that's what the trustee camps are for. The trustee camps are out there. Um, how do you make it into a trustee camp? Some inmates, some lucky few, will go directly into, once they enter um, the prison system in Texas, they will go directly into a trustee camp. Um, mainly it's because they they have a charge, like a drug or a, or a DUI, a driving under the influence charge, um, that will get them, that is, you know, not, not what they could quote-unquote call a serious offense or whatever, and... Um, there's not a whole lot of time behind it and they can go directly to the camp and, um, they'll serve out their entire sentence there, which is if you're going to do any time in, um, in Texas prisons, uh, trust camp is the way to go because like I said, a lot more freedom, um, a lot of they're able to move around. Um, they're going to work you, they're going to make sure you work, but, um, I mean, it's just so much more freedom. You don't have to worry about um in and outs which are like moving in and out of the cell um you don't have to worry about will or they or won't they call rec because the rec yard you can just go outside to the rec yard and it's right there um you don't have to worry about chow times the chow time chow starts at a certain time ends at a certain time 
It's just up to you when you want to go to chow during that time. It's a lot more civil is what I would call it. Is it, is it like being in the free world? No, not in the least, but it is an improvement. It is, it is a great deal of improvement from being locked up in cells or in cubicles inside of a prison or anything, um, inside a prison. Um, well, I mean, you're still inside a prison, but it's just, it's your best scenario, best case scenario, but not all, all inmates are eligible. Um, sex offenders are not eligible for being, um, on trusty camp and murderers are not eligible. And this, that was not always the case. In fact, it used to be that, um, that murderers and I don't know about sex offenders, but they, but basically people with really long sentences, those were usually the people who worked on trustee camps because they earned their way to the camp. Um, and they, and, and basically they wanted people with a whole lot of time working all the time. And you basically earned your way up by, you know, through your sentence, showing good behavior, showing that you wouldn't escape, then you'd earn it. And then, you know, it'd be a good way to do out the rest of your days because a lot of lifers would be on the trustee camp. Um, but the problem was um, there was an infamous case called the Texas Seven, which we went out, she talked a bit about on our first episode, in which, you know, you know what, I will probably get a, I'll probably bring up some more information about the Texas Seven because Texas Seven, Texas Seven changed prisons in Texas. All of the rules changed in Texas after the Texas Seven um, happened. They escaped. Someone died. Um, it was it was bad. Um, and they they changed all of the the policies in Texas prisons after that because some of them were trustees, and uh, and Texas never wanted it to happen again. Or well, I will just say that you know they. Texas responded in the way that Texas was going to respond to any, any sort of problem. And the response was not going to be, let's break this down. Let's see what the, the actual issues were. It was going to be, we're going to find ways to punish the, the inmates and like, just take this away. And it wasn't necessarily like they had thousands of inmates, thousands of people with life sentences go through trustee that were trustees and they had no problems with no escapes with. But after the Texas seven, those lifers and people with murder charges and serious long-term sentences, they could no longer be trustees. That wasn't the problem, but that is what they, they took that away. So they couldn't, they couldn't be that. So, and then even and then they made it so that you couldn't be a trustee in many cases until you were within two years of your parole date. So, like for me, I couldn't come up until I was at least three years into my sentence, and um, and 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 be able to work it off. So, a lot of people who most of the people who are on trustee camps, they're they're hopefully on their way out. They're not there for the long term, which is a problem in a lot of ways because if trustees are supposed to be doing the jobs in prison, like doing the, the really heavy lifting, then and there's a really high turnover because they're supposed to be leaving, then it's um, 
then, then I mean, then basically the, all these jobs where, you know, they need people who know what they're doing, who are, you know, taking, like are studied up, like I'll say clerk jobs, clerk, clerking is really an important part of prison. I mean, it was a job I did. Um, they need people who know what they're doing, know the systems, know them down pat. They take a lot of the work off of, you know, the paid employees and depending on, depending on, um, the, the people working there, they may heavily rely on their clerks to keep track of like, um, distribution and run times and, or, you know, they like, like for trucking about who's supposed to carry what loads where and things like that. And for me, um, and, and like, and like for me, I was a maintenance clerk, um, which was not a trusty job, like at, like it was not necessarily a trusty job. It was a trusty job at Stringfellow, not necessarily a trusty job at, ja at Dalhart. Um, and that job was, it kept track of what packages were coming in and out, what, um, what was getting repaired and not repaired where like it, it was a lot of, it was a lot of tedious work, but it was important work. Um, to know what was getting fixed, what wasn't getting fixed, what who needed to be working on what. Um, so it's if you don't have someone who knows the system and you have to be constantly training, then not a lot's going to get done. And um, and as I said, after I went from the trustee camp, I went to a rehabilitation program and a constant issue they had was that they would hire someone for a job and that person would, that person would instantly like each person in that program is only there for a few months, and then they that person goes home. So they'd get someone in to the job, they'd know what they were doing, and then they'd instantly be gone. Get someone in, be gone, and so nothing would really get done because a few months is not a long time to have someone there. Um, it's like a few months is right when you're starting to get in the flow of things, and every person is going to have a different flow, different system that they know how to use things. So it's, um, so like at places like, um, at places like, um, like, a um, I don't want to call it, I can't remember what it's called, but pre-release, um, prisons where they have a program at, which, um, the worst, my worst time, my worst time was done at that at the um, pre-release uh, program because once again they know they knew the officers knew that I was going home, they knew that all of us were going home, and they took advantage. They took advantage that they could do whatever they wanted. They could say whatever they wanted. They could make make up uh, whatever rules that they wanted, and um, we would have to listen. We would have to jump through whatever hoops that was. Um, they would, they could wake us up at 6 a.m. Um, even though like it was a weekend or it was a non-program day or, um, or it was in the middle of a pandemic and, uh, maybe we should, you know, they should find some, maybe we shouldn't have 64 people in a 30 by 30 foot space. Maybe a thought, I don't know. You you guys are welcome to debate that one too. Um, so like, these are like, anyway, got sidetracked on that one from, from the point, but 
Um, like I said, there's jobs, there's a high turnover. Um, pre-release facilities also have the high turnover. But anyway, the story I want to talk about was that um, uh, Malone doesn't know, uh, like, Malone didn't have to deal with was one thing is, is that when you're close to going home and this Malone did experience and we've all experienced in prison is that when people are getting close to leaving, tensions get super high. And also, um, also people get jealous. Um, they don't like hearing that you're about to go home. Um, and I mean, even if you don't know, like if you aren't going to make parole, um, they they don't want to hear it. They, they're, they're going to, honestly, a lot of times they will try and mess you up, mess over your parole because, um, haters be hating. I mean, that's, I'm going to be honest about it. And, uh, and it's, it, it's, it's real. Like I've watched it happen. And like at the trustee camp, we're all on notice. Like it's clear, like we're about to go home. There's no reason for anyone to act up because, um, because we're on the way out and the worst time to do anything wrong would be at this camp. Still people snuck in the bathroom to smoke K2. I mean, and a lot of people got locked up for it for six months and then came right back to the camp. Didn't quite make their parole after that. Some of them did, which made everyone question what was going on there. <laughs> um, but and I'll tell you why. The reason they, they question that, if you make parole after being caught with K2 in the bathroom, then the thinking, and it's probably correct thinking, is that you had to give them something to make up for it. And you probably had to name names because if you're like, and basically what, what happened is like we had an instance where there was a group of uh, there's a group of offenders who got caught in the bathroom and, um, one of them, one, one of them, all, all of them, I think were up for parole. Only one of them made it. And the question is, why did that one make it? And the other ones didn't. And the chances are, is that he turned on the other inmates as a witness. And so that, that he could say, this is what happened. Because a lot of times if you get caught with K2, it's getting into circumstantial evidence and things like that. But if he comes in as a witness, it guarantees that those other, other ones are not going to make their cases. Um, so it's right. So like that's that's one thing. Um, I will tell you one of the um, – one of my moments, one of one of my not prouder moments, but one of my like one of the crazier moments and stories that comes up all the time is I was warned before I came came to prison was that when you go to prison, especially for any extended period of time, is that you're going to have to fight. It's you're gonna have to. Um it's not that you're gonna want to. It's not and I'm I am a pacifist. I'm not like this is it's um but you're gonna have to fight. And I'm going to tell this to anyone who might be out there facing it or might have to run into it. You're going to have to fight. Um, it's going to come up. It's you're, you're, it's not your fault. Um, it's the way prisons are built. This is also why I say abolish prisons too because 
you can't put people in close quarters like this and not expect fights to break out. It, it's just, it, I mean, people, if you were crammed in the space with your, your partner who you love more than anything else in the world, um, crazy stuff happens. I, anything, the pandemic proved that, um, because, you know, with the rise of domestic violence and things like that, it's just, you can't be crammed in that type of space. And, and especially with so much stress and tension and things like that, just can't do it. So anyway, on top of that, on top of the, uh, of stress and tension and all that kind of stuff and getting ready to go home and will I make parole or won't I make parole? Cause I was, I was up, but I wasn't like, that was my sentiment at the moment. I was like, am I going to make parole? Am I not going to make parole? I'm like, I'm like, is there anything else I can do? Is there something else I can do? I don't know. What can I do? What can I do? Um, I had a neighbor who um, had a had uh, basically hired maintenance to break the heater so that it never turned off. Um, it actually got to 70 degrees one day, and the heater was still blasting right by my bunk. And um, I... So I just left the window open all the time because I just didn't want to hear it. And he had asked me to like close the window when I left because I was, I, one, one thing, one great way to deal with situations is to not be there. Just leave, keep yourself busy. It's a great, this is my advice for everyone in life in general. If you're having a problem with someone, just leave, just be, be anywhere else, but with that person, just, just do it. I take some time, take a breather, just just take a minute. Um, so I kept myself busy, and I was all over the place. Um, you can, and um, and he would be, get annoyed because the window would be open all day, and I wouldn't be there. And you know what? I didn't care. <laughs> he broke the heater, um, and the window was open. And to me, the Coloradan and um, hot-blooded mammal that I am. Um, it wasn't that cold and it's freaking Texas. It gets, um, it gets well over a hundred degrees in the summertime. Um, so I don't, yeah, yeah. Some cold would do, do me some good. Um, but he was not that way. He got upset. And then one day he came into my bunk and closed my window and that, that escalated. Um, and I didn't know how to, to deal with it properly. And basically, um, I actually ended up waking up the entire, <laughs> waking up everyone at like four o'clock in the morning after he did it. Um, but I'm doing, but, uh, after that, he's like, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, him talking to my, his, him talking to his buddies, talking to my buddies, talking, you know, getting the message back and forth, like, like middle school and basically going back saying like, he wants to fight, but he doesn't want to fight you because he thinks you're going to snitch. I'm like, you know what? I will fight. I will fight. I won't snitch. You can tell him that you, you can ma make it be known. I'm not going to snitch. I'm not going to tell. That's fine. And the next time he approached me, I said, okay, we're, I'm going to go in the bathroom. I will meet you over there. And, um, if you want to, I'm not going to discuss this anymore with you. We'll, we'll, we'll just have it out in there because I, I was done discussing this issue. Um, 
everyone listening outside of prison, never resolve things this way. But this, um, I can't remember the like how many weeks and months this had been building up and the amount of other crazy stuff going on in it. But um, yeah, don't ever resolve things like this. I'm just telling you what happened, where it ended up. So I took off my shirt, went into the bathroom, and um, my plan was, honestly, I was going to do what I did in varsity wrestling, which is as soon as he got close, I was going to grab his arm, firemen's carry him, and throw him in the garbage can. Figured that wouldn't do too much damage. Um, anyway, um, what ended up happening is he came in, he starts putting on gloves, like workout gloves, which were like contraband, like workout gloves, which are like brand new, like real world, free world uh, workout gloves, and then starts pulling stuff out of his pockets, including pencils, which should not have any of those. Like, and then I got scared because his buddies started showing up. And then I was worried because that meant that meant I was about to get my ass handed to me. And um but when I realized what his buddies were there for, his buddies came to say, hey, hey, what's going on? What's up here? What's and they came to break it up. And I was like, I should have known. I should and he's like, he's like, he's like, look, you guys can talk it out. I'll be like, I'm like, look, I, I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm done. Let's do it. Let's be done with this. It's over. Game off. And and he's like, he's like, okay, okay, I hear you. I'm like, so you're not coming into my bunk anymore, period, right? That window, you just leave that window alone. It's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. All right, great. Walk back to my bunk. Five minutes later, hey, can you put that window? Ah, uh, nope, nope. Right back to the bathroom. Right back. And then he comes back and he's like, look, I'm sorry, I won't bring it up. And that was the end of it. So I bring all of that up. The whole point of this story, the whole point of the the crazy um, story um, and the trusty camp is because this would <laughs> the that was problem resolution in prison. I had, I had like I said for weeks and months or however long I had been talking to this guy and like, look, I will try and remember to look, look, lower the window. I will try and like try to work with him. I tried, and he did sneaky things like breaking the heater so that it wouldn't turn off. And I called him out on it, and he didn't want to hear it. And that was what I was dealing with. And um, and it's that's sometimes what um, that was. There's a lot of moments in prison where you feel super cornered, and and feel helpless. It is the worst feeling in the world to feel helpless. And um, I will tell you, you learn defense strategies when you feel helpless. Mine is not pretty. I will act out in some pretty, I can act out in some pretty scary ways. Um, and it's not useful. It it was, it, we got the job done in prison, but it, you can't do it in out in the free world. Um, and, the point of this podcast and the point of um, why, like, I tell these stories is because 
the way that problem got resolved, that pro- like I said, the problem got resolved by me telling him I'm going to kick your ass and like let's let's resolve this by taking this taking this to the back room. That got resolved that way because of prison logic. But you cannot take that outside. Like if you are in a business and you go, let's go take this outside and let's resolve it this way, you will go back to prison. That's how that end, that's how that story ends. And that's the thing that we're teaching. That's that's the thing that that's why most people who, after they've gone in once, they're most likely to go in again. That on top of crazy conditions when they get out that are beyond what most average people have to deal with. So anyway, that is my story for today. Um, If you want to hear any other stories or have any other suggestions, which we got one and we are working on it. Vince, we're working on it. It's your, you, we've got two episodes planned for you and we'll be um, this afternoon. We'll probably be recording that one. So stay tuned. Anyway, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, We'd love shout outs and everything in the comments and questions. And um, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. The Shakedown was produced at Longmont Public Media. And our theme song, Shakedown, is brought to you by Envato Elements. If you want any Shakedown merchandise or you want to support the show, you can go to waywordpress.com. That's W-A-Y-W-O-R-D press.com.